Hey, Points fans, it's Robbie here with the Smoking Embers podcast. I'm here with Nick and Matt today, and we're talking about the World Juniors. Hello, everybody. What's going on? I, I heard a lot of our listeners that they love the first episode, but uh, everyone was kind of introduced and nobody really got kind of my side of the story as well. And I, part of that is, you know, if you listen to the first episode, you know, Nick wasn't here for the entirety of it, but... Yeah, absolutely. So unfortunately, we didn't get to that uh, as much as we do want to learn a bit, little bit about Robbie. So we thought about, we'd do that early on today's podcast. So Robbie, why are you a Flames fan? What brought you into this club? Uh, for the Flames myself, I look at it. I've followed along since pretty much as long as I can remember. My dad talks about all of the, uh, the runs in the 80s and just... I, I've been a fan since really be, I guess, the 90s. I'll put it that way. Awesome. So a long, long time fan. Born and raised, right? Born and raised in Calgary. I look at it. I remember back, what would it be? 04, I definitely remember the the run there. I remember back to the 02 Olympics and watching Iggy play there. And back in 06, I actually I had the chance to ride the Zamboni at one of the the games it was against Dallas in yeah it would have been 05 right after the lockout that's crazy as a kid that must have been just living the dream right it was a lot better back then you would get an actual flag you could sit on the zamboni and beasley would actually call out your name instead of it just being it's like here's this kid on the zamboni wave <laughs> too funny um so what brought you, brought you onto this project i i've known jordan for over a, a decade here and I, through him, met you and AJ. And when AJ kind of pitched this idea, we had already been doing a bunch of just chats between each other and figured it was a good option just to take our, our regular chats that we were having and just record it and see where it went. Absolutely. It's been a, a fun ride so far, I would think. Uh, everybody on the project seems to really be, be enjoying themselves. Oh yeah, definitely. And just with everything going on, I mean, I I listened to a couple different other Flames podcasts and thought, hey, there's something about it that we can build on and maybe even, you know, in some areas do better in our own minds and equal in others. Definitely. Well, we're here to talk about hockey, right? And uh, it is Canada's favorite time of year, hockey-wise, with the World Juniors. Um, how have you enjoyed the tournament so far, guys? I can say, I mean, it, it's been a little bit different of a, a tournament myself. Uh, I wouldn't say it's as enjoyable as usual, but I think a lot of that is just leaving that that fan, uh, that feeling of having the fans go crazy when you see a goal compared to just seeing an empty arena and just hearing a, a horn through the PA system. Uh, I'll agree with that to an extent. Um, I mean, I find I've found it a bit more enjoyable this year in the sense that there's almost nothing on nowadays, um, especially when it comes to hockey. Uh, usually the NHL season would be uh, kind of progressing with um, the tournaments, but uh, w with a lack of season right now, I feel like I've been uh, a lot more invested than I have in past years. Um, 
So, I mean, obviously the fan aspect's missing. Totally agree with you there. But uh, I've definitely um, been a lot more into it this year. Well, it's interesting to talk about the fan aspect, right? Just because for Team Canada especially, it's such a double-edged sword for tournaments at home. Uh, you get the, the fan, the, the support right behind you. You know, that momentum shift can be absolutely crushing for some teams. But you also have the pressure, you know, of winning at home. And it's been seen time and time again the boys actually do better overseas in Europe than they do in our own backyard just because sometimes the pressure gets to you. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, you you also look at it, something that happens is we're going to end up getting a lot more tournaments here in Canada. So hopefully they can perform a little bit more, but they just make more money off the tournament here. Oh, absolutely. Right. Uh, filling up those NHL sized buildings uh, just makes the IHF immense amounts of money. But the one thing is, uh, you know, being Flames fans and all, the World Juniors are really a good chance to look at some of our upcoming prospects. And so we've broken down into the four guys we really wanted to watch through this year's tournament just to see how they've improved, how they've done, and what takeaways we can read from this as this is actually the little bit amount of hockey they have played all the way back since March, right? They have, and... uh... A lot of these kids are, there's a lot coming from them and looking forward. I, I think there's some solid prospects that the Flames have. Uh, and we could even see some of them, as we saw today with Wolf being introduced, or Wolf, Zari, and Pelche all being uh, invited to training camp here. We could see a lot more of them even down in Stockton this year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I've been watching a lot of uh, Canadian games, and I have to admit, I've been uh, pretty, um, I don't know what the word is, but uh, Pelche has been, in my opinion, he's been ripping it up. Um, surprising, that's what I was looking for. Um, I mean, he's he's averaging a point a game, uh, three goals, two assists, um, in just uh, four games. Um, and that's uh, that's pretty impressive for him. I mean... Zari, on the other hand, I mean, he's playing a little bit of a depth role being one of the younger players on the team here. Um, but I still think he's been a quite a solid kind of third, fourth liner for the team as well. Yeah, it's been really cool, actually, to uh, see them on the ice together, right? I mean, as a Flames fan, you're kind of licking your chops at the sight of that. These guys skating in circles around, albeit, you know, Germany or Slovakia or whatever weak sister they're playing. But just to see that chemistry being built at a kind of developmental age, I think is really a good sign for Flames fans. Yeah, for sure. And even you, you start looking at the Kuznetsov on Russia and Wolf on the US. I mean, you haven't seen as much of them. Just I, I would say I would love to see more of Wolf for the US, but they definitely think that Spencer Knight is the better goaltender at the moment, even though Wolf is still perfect in this tournament and overall i mean they they've dressed for the same number of games wolf has gotten into two yeah there's a, a difference of like 120 130 minutes that have been played between the two of them so you look at their stats and it's one of those where it's skewed a little bit but overall wolf has a shutout yeah it was a, a weaker team for sure but he performed really well and then with Kuznetsov, he's a, he's a stay-at-home defenseman. I mean, you're not going to get too much out of him. He's not going to be that flashy player, but 
on the backbone of a, on a team and on a, a blue line to only have two penalty minutes and be a neutral zero on the plus minus as a defenseman. That's great. And he had a, an amazing play coming back on uh, the, the German team. I guess that was yesterday made a diving uh, sliding stop just to break up a, a two on one. thought that was a, a great play by him. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how much Flames fans have kind of split allegiances. Um, for our listeners, this is being recorded right before the semifinals when uh, Canada and Russia go at it. So I feel like that game, we might be cheering against our boy on that one. I'm going to quickly go back to a point Robbie said about uh, Dustin Wolf here. Um, I get every team is in this tournament to win. But when you're on a really strong U.S. team and you're expected to make the quarterfinals with ease, I think that Wolf should have been given a bit more of a spotlight. And I think that they, he, I would have liked if he had gotten another start. Um, I mean, saving 21 out of 21 shots he's faced is, I mean, pretty good. Um, I mean, I, I would have liked to see him uh, play another game and see what else he could have done. That's for sure. And that's just, and that's just going to be uh, a biased Flames fan as well, uh, wanting to see our boy rip it up a bit more. The big thing with Wolf and Knight is they're both pretty much equal in the eyes of the Americans. Like their their stat lines outside of the the tournament are fairly equal. The I, I'd love to see Wolf a little bit more as well. Just after winning the the WHL goalie of the year, the CHL goalie of the year, whatever all he had, because I, I think he won both. But definitely. I mean, Spencer Knight is uh, given he's gu- given up six goals so far, where Wolf hasn't given up any. And yes, it was uh, a weaker team, but that first game, Knight looked uh, a little shaky anyway. So, yeah, I'd love to see more out of Wolf. Well, I was, you know, compare him to Carter Hart, right? Um, same kind of trophies on the wall. Uh, you know, if you want to look at their resume fairly similar track record as far as goals and point um sorry goals and save percentage in their respective games played so and same I, team. Yeah, yeah exactly right and coming out of everett there so i i think that's just the usa playing a bit of a different way right i mean in this tournament it seems there's either two strategies you ride both goalies throughout the preliminary and then stick with one guy or you do what team canada's doing you just pick a guy and ride him all the way through right yeah that's another thing to look at. It's like Devin Levi has been unbelievable in this tournament. To have played five games, to have only given up three goals, and like he has 87 saves. Yeah. Shout out three to goals Levi. On 80. 0.64 goals against average and a 96.67 save percentage. Ridiculous. Like just standing on his head, albeit you got to give props to the Canadian D for keeping all the round robin games under 20 shots a piece. But when you have nothing to worry about on the back end and just a brick wall there, the Canadian, you know, from the blue line in has been rock solid. Well, this has easily been one of the most talented rosters we have. We've had, I, I believe only two players on the roster haven't been drafted in the first round of the NHL. And that's definitely uh, incredible. I, it's like I said, it's easily one of the more talented rosters we've had in uh, a while. That's for sure. 
it'll be kind of cool just like if you look back at the 2005 roster i mean most of these teams are packed with stars you just don't exactly know who they're going to turn out to be in the nhl but if you look back at the 2005 team for example their top line was crosby bergeron and gets with Corey perry centering the second line like that is something you build on a NHL all-star team for fun, right? But that was the world junior roster due to the lockout year. This is the pandemic year and you get the same kind of mix. Oh, it's crazy to look at that. And I mean, the rest of that tournament in 05, it it surpasses even what we have this year because a lot of these teams weren't able to bring over all the, the young guys that they have that weren't released from their NHL contracts. Well, and a lot of teams were hurt with COVID issues as well, right? Like Germany, right off the bat, played Canada with a 14-man roster. Um, And, I mean, I'm just going to give a quick shout-out to Germany's top line made up of uh, Stutzla, Paterka, and Elias. All three of them are within the top five points points in the World Juniors. So... um, I got to give credit to that German roster because uh, they they definitely uh, they they held in there for sure. Well, they absolutely deserve some love, right? Um, you know, those first two games they look for dead. Put you know, sixteen two to Canada does not look good for any team, especially one that was actually supposed to put out a bit of a showing here. Being able to salvage that, get to the quarterfinals, and have what was a remarkably cl- close game against Russia, those guys deserve all the credit. And I think that score would have been a lot closer if they didn't just have 14 players available. If they had more of their roster available, I think it would have been a little bit closer. Off a back-to-back, right? Like, people forget, they played Finland the night before. It wasn't just they had 14 guys. They had 14 tired guys. I could say they could have even caused an upset with Finland if they had their full roster right off the bat. I think Germany had uh, easily one of the best teams they've brought towards the tournament, for sure. Um, so I definitely think there could have been some upsets if they had a a full, full squad. Well, the nice thing this actually shows is just that the game of hockey is spreading, right? Um, it shows that German hockey, especially has come a long way from just being the weak sister in the tournament constantly. And hopefully they continue to produce good players from, uh, for years to come, right? Leon Dreisaitl is a prospect of them. Um, and people forget they've had a lot of NHL guys, for quite a while, just not to that caliber that Canada, Sweden, Russia, and them have. Yeah, and I mean, to go along with that, I I don't know if you had seen what Christopher Stieg had been saying on social media here about trying to get it where, rather than it being a fight for a guy to go and play for a, a, a nation that has he, his family has background in, so like Nigel Dawes had to do that to go from Canada to play for Kazakhstan, I think it would be great if you could get some of these kids that have a, a background, say they're a Canadian that doesn't make the Canadian team or an American that doesn't make the American team and be able to go and play for like the Dutch or something like that, where you could build the game even more just from having that skill level and that uh, just getting the, the fans in those countries to want to move towards playing and playing hockey. And you'll also find that, competition between teams is going to rise too because i mean more often than not you're going to be looking at a canada russia u.s and then a sweden or finland kind of semi-final every year right if you kind of allow that i mean eventually you could see some of these uh weaker teams 
um, make it further and further every year. Well, a great example of that is actually Finland themselves, right? For a long time, they were a goalie factory. That's all they produced was a good goalie. Tukaras, Kiprasov, those kind of guys. Then they finally figured out how to build from the bottom up in their roots and develop forwards and defense. Now they are a contender in most semifinals in this tournament and actually have, you know, three of the last five gold medals. For Before that, they didn't win anything. And it was just a, t- a country that decided to invest in their grassroots program and start to develop players from there, and it's paid dividends for them. Well, Finland's actually been one of the strongest teams in the last decade here. You, you really look at it, they, they've come around a lot more, and three in the last six is, that's more dominant than Canada really has been, even in the tournament, even though Canada's been there pretty much every single year. Another thing that you can look at is you would see, uh, like, you look at the women's tournaments in that, where they end up with these really weak teams that Canada's playing, and it's really only a two-team tournament for women's hockey. You would get where you wouldn't have that same kind of two teams that are good, the rest are a blowout. You get a lot more of that with having these players go and play for their their heritage, essentially. Absolutely. Yeah, just it, it's really great to see smaller countries get an opportunity to show their development in the game. And you look at Austria there with the, I mean, they've got such a young team. They have the one guy that's, uh, what, they're, he's 16, he's in grade 10, and he has to do homework inside the bubble along with all of this. Like, that's crazy. Yeah, that's going to be uh, Marco Casper on Team Austria. Um, yeah, I think you're referring to that uh, TSN interview between uh, periods there. Um, but I got a pretty good kick out of it because it really, uh, I mean, it's hard to believe that some of these kids are 16 years old, right? Traveling across the country and being away from their families for a month, month and a half just to play hockey. Like that's that's pretty impressive as well. Oh, it absolutely kills me when you actually realize how young these guys are, right? Doing this for what they love and for the pride of their country, right? I mean, sitting here as a as a 25-year-old, we can critique their play all, all we want, but we ever went one-on-one we wouldn't stand a chance i mean it's the same thing as those of us if we just went to the odr and we go up against some novice player that's skating circles around us it's about the same thing (laughs) exactly so we thought we would also on uh this world junior special podcast talk about kind of the good the bad and the gold when it comes to canada some of our more nostalgic favorite memories the ones that hurt and uh, just even some beautiful stuff about Team Canada and, and the game we love. So starting off, we thought we'd start with a roundtable of everybody's favorite world junior hockey moment. So Matt, why don't you go first? So I was lucky enough to uh, watch a couple of games down in Vancouver for uh, the 2018-2019 uh, World Junior Championship. Um and I was lucky enough to actually be in attendance for the New Year's Eve game between Canada and Russia. Um, unfortunately, uh, we didn't come out with the win. We ended up losing 2-1 in regulation. Um, but that experience and that atmosphere inside uh, Rogers Arena was just absolutely unbelievable. Um, it was just uh, absolutely wild. It was uh, the loudest I've ever heard in an arena, I would say. And um, it just made me incredibly prideful for uh being a canadian and cheering on uh our, our team here 
That just goes to show you we do love our hockey, hey? Absolutely. Bob, how about yourself? Mine uh, mine definitely goes back a little bit further from Matt. I mean, he's, he's a little bit younger, so he doesn't have the, the memory from this uh, from further back. But uh, mine would be the, the New Year's Eve uh, shootout win against the U.S. in 2010. And that was the most back-and-forth game you're looking at it where coming off of, well, I mean, you're, you're leading up to the high of having the 2010 Olympics a month later as well. But you've got the Canada had given up the lead for the first time in that entire tournament in the, that would be the second period. Then they tied it back up, lost the lead again, and they were down four to three, four to two or four to three before coming out with the shootout win 5-4 over the U.S. Yeah, that was a wild game. Can't believe we came out with the win on there. And the team that we had was, it it definitely was a a team that's got a lot of the backbones of uh, NHL teams even today. What about yours there, Nick? What What are you thinking? So mine, I'm actually, I'm going way back. I must have the longest memory out of you guys, but, uh, I'm going to take when Jonathan Taves went three for three in the shootout and just absolutely put Team Canada on his back. I mean, I think he was like 18 at the time, 17 at the time, and just being able to not go once in a shootout and hold your team in it, but three times, three different moves. If you watch the highlights, he never pulls the same move twice, but carries that team into the next game, which ends up being the gold medal win for them. So that would be my memory of just watching that and praying to God he was going to put a move on that goalie and get in. He did it three times. I'm just going to add there. You said uh, Jonathan Daves was 18 that year. Um, I was six, so I don't remember that game too closely. Just got to throw that out there. No, I'm not surprised. But looking from the good to the bad, what moment hurts the most there, Rob? Ooh, for me, uh, I mean, I, I was really into the 2019 tournament. Uh, just one of the one of the kids that I grew up playing street hockey with. He was actually playing for Canada at that point. And uh, Brent Leeson's he's since gone, and he got passed over two years in the draft. Ended up getting drafted by Washington. That would have been two years ago now. But that was uh, the one that I was really invested in. Just seeing a, a kid that I I grew up. He took my two front teeth out with the backswing of a slap shot when he was like three or four just to see him play for Canada and then just have the team not, not be able to perform in the finals. It, it definitely, definitely sucked. Was that the one where we lost to uh, Finland in the quarterfinal? Yep. Yeah. That's didn't, the one. Didn't like, even make the finals. To the, like, if I remember the play, right, it was in overtime, a two on one, the stick breaks comes all the way back and just a perfect shot. Yeah, that I believe that's exactly how that went. Oh, oh. That, that that was crushing. I got. It. How about you, you Matt? What uh, what world junior moment still leaves a, a bad taste in your mouth? I'm gonna go with the 2016-2017 uh, gold medal game against the U.S. Um, that's the one that we were tied four uh, four, and then after a 20 minute OT, we lost in a shootout for the gold medal. Um, I'm gonna go on a little rant here. I think this shootout is absolutely terrible, especially in a championship game like that. Agreed. Um, 
these kids are busting their ass off for 60 minutes plus an overtime and they're going to lose it in a shootout. I, I think it's easily, I, I'm heated just thinking about it. Um, I just think it's absolutely ridiculous to like just bust your ass all game and then just to lose it to basically who has the best hands, who has the best goalie. So um, I think the shootout is terrible. Um, granted, in like an NHL regular season for two points, sure, go ahead. Um, but in a gold medal game, to continuous OT like there should be no need for a shootout so there's my little rant I would even argue in an NHL game it's not even worth having a shootout just go and continue playing three on three it's going to happen eventually and that's where the exciting hockey is and then you even look like the 98 Nagano Olympics had a, a shootout for the the win as well and TSN for that 2016 or the the 2017 World Juniors they even noted on broadcast how much they didn't like the idea of it going to a shootout to decide a, a tournament. Just play overtime. Yeah. No, my thing is you win or lose as a team. It should not come down to one guy versus one guy, right? Like, especially I love the idea of just like in the NHL playoffs, it's five on five continuous, right? You play until somebody flinches, until the team flinches, right? You do everything as a team not just one guy. Even if it goes to seven periods, like it did between, uh, was it Tampa and Columbus this past postseason? Yeah. You also, you don't see a, a baseball team the second that they're, they're still, you know, tied at the end of the 10th inning. They've done one inning of uh, like extra innings. You're not going to go and do a home run derby to decide game. Yeah. Well, Nick, what do you, what do you got for yours? Yeah. So my, uh, my, painful moment um i was gonna go with the massive collapse in buffalo that one year but i'm still too salty to talk about that so i'm going to focus on a different one where it was after everly's beautiful goal which we'll i'm sure talk more about later but in 2009 it was hosted in canada again in uh, saskatoon and i think it was everly again made a beautiful goal to tie the game with, with like under a minute left against the Americans in the gold medal, take it to overtime. And I can still remember the play Americans coming down two on one. And he just looks up and snipes the shot and it's over just like that. And we get silver. And so it was just the, the feeling of, you know, Oh my God, we're in this again. It's going overtime. We got a chance. And for it to just end like that still hurts to this day. Yeah, and that would have been uh, Vesna finalist John Carlson who potted that one. Yeah. Um. So staying on Team Canada there, then kind of what are your guys' favorite jersey? I mean, Team Canada is great for putting out some fantastic tarps. So out of everything they've ever put out, what is the one you guys would love to have in your closet? Well, it's actually the one that I'm wearing right now. Um, obviously none of you guys can see it, um, but I'm wearing the uh, black alternates uh, that Nike did um, that are the world junior team actually won in last year. Um, so it's the uh, all black with the red striping. I, I think my favorite part has to be the uh, little, um, I guess, maple leaf uh, design they have on the shoulders and down the arms. Um, I absolutely love just the little detail that they have in uh, both the home away and alternates. Um, I, I think they're extremely clean and uh, 
super modern and fresh and i absolutely love these guys so it's gonna be the uh current guys they're wearing right now those do look slick what about you nick what do you like so I'm going to go real deep into the treasure trove here and pull out two different World Junior alternates that I just would love to get my hands on if I ever got the chance. One is the 2009 where they actually threw it back to the Gretzky era. So it's half a leaf going kind of diagonal up and then just Canada, the word written down the side in red and white. And I just think it looks absolutely fantastic. I can remember Tavares with his... Uh where he batted the puck in on the, at the side of the net with that one. Yeah, exactly, right? And there's some good goals to remember there. And then the other is a uh, throwback to the women's original jersey, where it's the stick going kind of down with three maple leaves and Canada on the bottom of the stick. Another just red and white one that I think they look absolutely sharp in. How about yourself, Robbie? Uh, I'm... See, mine kind of goes outside of the the World Junior ones. I I would say if I were to bring any Canadian jersey in, I loved what they did with the 04 World Cup of Hockey where they were coming fresh off the 02 Olympic win. You're there with the they had three jerseys, just kind of your basic what you think about for Canada, red, black, white. But my favorite probably would be either the the old Winnipeg Falcons one that the mustard yellow with the big bright re- uh, red Canadian maple leaf on the front. Love that one. That would have been back, what, uh, 1920 they used that in the, the Antwerp Olympics for that one. Or if I were to go a little bit more modern, I, I love that 2014 Nike uh, third jersey, the black one that they used for the Olympics there. Just the all-black jersey, the gold and small gold piping and the the red striped cross with just Canada written across. I thought that was really clean. Oh, fair picks. I'm a little surprised with the mustard one. I'm not going to lie. That would uh, not make my top 10, but I think I'm just a traditionalist with the red and white there. Yeah. I'm going to side with Nick on that one. Uh, I think you're absolutely crazy with the, uh, the 2014 Olympic, the black one with the gold uh, outline. I think that needs to go into a dumpster fire. I do not like that one. But, I mean, I'll just agree to disagree on that one, Rob. See, the thing with the mustard one is I, I look back and that was really the the coming out of Aginla and Kipper were in that tournament, and that's definitely what I remember from it. And if I could get uh, an Aginla 12 mustard yellow where it just said Canada along the name bar, if I could just get that, I think that would be amazing. Well, that's the nice thing about Canada, right? They put out so many jerseys. It's kind of like, I don't know if you guys remember the, I think it was 2009 as well in Saskatoon. They did the Riders Green jersey mixed with Canada. A lot of people did not feel right about that one. I'm not going to lie. I was one of those people, but um, other people love it. and You still see it on ODRs every now and then. Looked like a, a cheap uh, London Knights jersey. Yeah, yeah, not far off, right? I have no issues with that one. Uh, because they only wore it once um if it was a common reoccurrence then i'll have a problem but if it's a goofy jersey like that and it's going to be a one-time thing i say just go for it yeah that's fair so we talked about the good the bad and the gold so i feel like a lot of these are going to be gold focused what is your guys best memory of the team canada goal any team canada goal ever olympics world championships doesn't matter what is the best team category that comes to mind for you guys? Ooh, uh, mine 
I definitely like the 03 World Championships. The uh, Anson Carter scored in overtime to uh, to win gold there, and it was the funniest goal, just for the fact that he chased down his own rebound, wrapped it around, and it took almost ten minutes for the officials to realize that the puck was actually in the net. So he 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 wraps it around. Canada starts filling off the bench, and then everybody's just kind of looking around, going, "It's like what happened." I think I remember seeing a very bad quality video of that a long time ago. But yeah, I think I do recall that goal. Hey, back in 03, that was good quality video. <laughs> yeah, definitely. How about yourself, Matt? Um, I mean, I, I, I'm going to go with the pretty easy answer on this one. Uh, it's got to be the golden goal from the 2010 uh, Vancouver Olympics. Um I, I don't know, but uh, I get chills every time I watch this goal. Uh, I remember exactly where I was watching it on the couch with uh, my dad and my brother, uh, just absolutely losing our minds watching it. And I think uh, it's even better uh, the fact that Jerome McGinley got the uh, assist on that. And I love how you could hear uh, Crosby call uh, Iggy's name um, even over the uh, cheering of the fans. So I feel like it's a pretty basic answer, but in my opinion, nothing's going to top the golden goal. Between Iggy and the ringing of Chris Cuthbert yelling out, Sidney Crosby, the golden goal, just above everything else. I, I think that's all you can hear when you think about that moment. Well, that that is truly a Canadian where were you moment, right? I think uh, I remember reading something once that 75% of all of Canada had tuned into the game at one point or another. No, it, it was crazy. And then there's even videos of the Vancouver Harbor when that goal went in. Just all the ship horns are going off. You can hear the crowd over everything else. And like they're they're pretty far in from the, the harbor where they were. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was a, an awesome moment for the country, definitely. What about you, Nick? Well, I got to go for another... Uh awesome moment for the the country and for this one i gotta shout out the women's game um obviously just the women in hockey don't get enough love to start with even though they are fantastic athletes but uh this this was a memory that some people might might not remember too much but it was their 2014 sochi gold medal win over the u.s and the reason that was so memorable for me was a i was actually on a beach in mexico at that point and watching it at a beach bar with a few other canadians and secondly uh, it was just such an enticing game. They were down two nothing with three minutes left in the third. It looked like you know it was, the ships had sailed type thing. It was over, and we get one. We're in the game. There's a icing that gets cleared all the way just to hit the post. Like it was as close to being in as you could. Comes all the way back, and I'll be damned if we don't tie it up, get the power play in overtime, and win the gold medal and steal it right from the Americans. You know, and there's no better feeling as a Team Canada fan win over the Americans, let alone just taking the, the victory right from them at the last second there. So shout out to the women, Marie-Philippe Poulin. That was gorgeous. I think she had the last two goals, actually, the, the game tire and the game winner. So just that was such a fantastic memory that that will ever be uh, be in my heart. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I can definitely say I, I didn't watch too much of that tournament, but that's just because when the games were live, it was like, three or four in the morning here. Yeah, we got to experience what uh, it 
a European NHL fan gets, right? You're up till three, four, five in the morning just to get some hockey. I I, I will say I also watched all of the the Flames Bruins games uh, over in China. So same kind of idea. Well, I mean, it's even going back to even this year's World Juniors. It's those those fan cams that they show uh, in between whistles with uh, all the European fans, and it's got to be two, three in the morning, and you can see how passionate they are, wide awake, and watching their team play as well. Hey, passion of hockey will get you anything, right? But uh, speaking of that, kind of before we sign off here, guys, uh, like we said, we're recording this right before the semifinals. So the last matchups, Canada, Russia, USA, Finland. Who are we thinking in the, the gold medal game here? And who do we see winning it? I'm personally going to say whoever wins the Canada-Russia matchup is going to win the tournament. Um, I fingers crossed uh, our boys in red, or I mean, I guess they're both in red. So Canada uh, gets out with the dub. Um I mean, they ended up beating Russia one nothing in a uh, preseason. Uh, I don't know if it's pre exhibition game, pre tournament exhibition, whatever you call it, uh, just before the tournament started. Um, so I'm really rooting for uh, Canada to win it, but I think whoever comes out of that game is going to win it all. I, I would definitely say I, I see Canada in the final, and it's hard not to just looking at the the Canadian roster. Could you imagine what it would be like if Doc was still on the team right now? Or if we had a couple of the other guys like Lafreniere or uh... well, even Newhook is out too, right? So they're missing a few guys off of the current team. Yeah, but I, I, I mean, even with Shane Wright there, if we had brought him in as a sixteen-year-old, just uh, that team would be even that one step further on being almost unbeatable. But to say that, I don't know if they are unbeatable, and that's the other side of it. Yeah, it's kind of cool because at this tournament, I mean, people compare it to the the March Madness, but really, if you're Team Canada, you don't have a worry of losing really until around this time, right? And so the nice part about this tournament is there's so much parity in it. Anybody can win from this point out, right? So even myself, I hope Canada goes through, so I'm going to root Canada being a Canadian. Um, I see them going, and I, I see, you know, Zegris leading the Americans on the other side there, so... A Canada-U.S. final gold medal game is always something to watch on and and something we hope for. But, I again, just the amount of firepower the Canadians have, they should not be able to come away with this at the end of the day. You can't, you can't sleep on Finland either. They've, uh, they've been known to uh, have some pretty good upsets and, and win, win when they're not expected to win. So, um, obviously, you can't keep... Uh, any of the four teams out of the talk for sure, but hopefully oh, any Canada of the four could win, could exactly, be, yeah, you know, for sure. Gold at the end of the day, here it would not surprise me if anything happened. It's one game, and as we all know in hockey, one game it it, it anything goes right. Seven games, you can actually understand the series. One game, it could be a random puck that hits something and goes in. Let's just hope it doesn't end up in a shootout. That's all I got to say. Oh. Well, Canada and shootouts just, ooh, we, we have a bad history with them. So maybe that's why we're all a little sour towards them. But yeah, I don't like the word of Canada in a shootout there. So uh, I guess that's kind of a, the end of it. Other than, I mean, the other thing we could look at is that chance of Zari and Peltier. They could play in Stockton, especially Zari with uh, the dub not starting up right away here. So we could see Wolf and Zari 
play there and Peltier could just carry over instead of going back to uh, going back to the queue. What do you guys think of that? I don't think it's out of the option. Um, I definitely think there's some benefits since they're going to be playing against guys a bit older too. Uh, so more of like a NHL kind of age instead of uh, other guys along the same age of themselves. Um, it'd be pretty cool to see uh, Zari and Pelche both play for Stockton because they, they'd they be able to get some um, more games in together. Uh, and if they would play in the, their respective leagues now, they wouldn't be seeing each other nearly as often. Um, so definitely uh, some benefits to uh, them heading over to Stockton for sure. Even Wolf too, just that chemistry, get that going a little bit. Especially if they're hot off their world juniors, right? I mean, ideally, you could have Zari, Pelche, and Wolf all playing the gold medal game, right? And so, you know, that's the first meaningful hockey they've played for a lot of these guys since March. So, yeah, I, I think if you can keep them on ice playing meaningful hockey, it's better for their development, which is better for the Flames overall. And to look at it that way, just to have the the NHL caliber coaching, because they're going to all come to camp here. They're going to work with all the AHL coaches, all the NHL coaches, just to have that even before they possibly go back to the QMJHL or the WHL or wherever they're going to end up playing, just to have that little bit of extra. I mean, even if they ended up playing in a month here, February 5th, is it, for the, the AHL? If they end up going back there, that's even more experience just moving forward. Man, who knows? Maybe they get called up for a game with the big boys at least once. Just throw them on the taxi squad. <laughs> exactly, right? But uh, yeah, I mean, that, that kind of brings us to our next thing, which is hopefully in our next episode, we'll actually be talking a lot more NHL as we get close to the start of the year here. Yeah, and uh, I mean, in the meantime, you can definitely you can find us on social media. We've got uh, Smoking Embers, YYC on uh what's that on instagram and at smoking embers on twitter so definitely find us there connect with us there message if you have any questions or even if you just have a, a topic that you want to see on the show here and, and go ahead and follow us for some pretty great uh meme content i mean none of the guys who actually make them are on this uh, podcast here but that we got some great guys who who create some pretty funny memes so if you want to go have a laugh go ahead and give us a follow and keep a lookout. We should, by that point, you know, we, we should, by the beginning of the season, have our website fully up and running. Uh, so just keep a, a lookout on social media for any updates on that. Awesome. Well, thanks again for listening, uh, Flames fans. And hopefully Go Canada Go here. We can get a gold medal before our next episode, and, and we can all kind of congratulate the boys on our next episode. Yeah, thanks for uh, tuning in as well and uh, wishing you all a very happy new year as well.